pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. And welcome to the show. Sickle cell disease affects one in 375 African Americans in the United States. It also occurs in ethnic groups from South and Central America, the Mediterranean, and India. As recently as the 1970s, many born with sickle cell anemia died in childhood. But advancements in treatment have now allowed patients to live into their 50s. Sickling can still occur, though, causing severe throbbing and gnawing pain in the back, joints of the hands and feet, long bones, and abdomen. Children as young as one year of age may begin having these painful episodes called a crisis, lasting for hours to even days. Albert Johnson, better known as Prodigy, an American rapper and author of the book My Infamous Life, shares his personal story of living with the pain of sickle cell anemia. Dr. William Zemsky, head of the Division of Pain Medicine at Connecticut Children's Medical Center, then provides up-to-date recommendations on preventing and treating sickle cell crises. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentech Health, and Boston Scientific. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulcristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Albert Johnson, better known as Prodigy, is an American rapper and one half of the hip-hop and rap duo called Mob Deep. He's the author of the book, My Infamous Life, and he's here today to share his personal story of living with the pain of sickle cell anemia. Prodigy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Hi, how you doing? Fine, thanks. Your book, My Infamous Life, was published in 2011. Will you tell us a little bit about that? You know, it's an autobiography, and in it, I explain how I grew up and, you know, growing up with sickle cell anemia, my career in the music industry, and, you know, all the stuff that I had to learn just growing up with that medical condition and learn about the business in the music industry. Prodigy, when did you first learn that you had the disease? My mother took me to the hospital when I was about three months old, and they diagnosed me with uh, sickle cell officially. That's very young. What made your mother decide to take you to the hospital? Oh, because I was screaming in pain. She didn't know why I was screaming. Right. Well, babies do a lot of screaming. So how how did your mother know that the screaming was, I, I guess, abnormal and needed to be addressed? I must have been screaming abnormally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some as young as one begin having pain from sickle cell anemia. What is your first memory of having pain? Yeah, I remember having pain when I was a baby in, in the bed. Like, I, I probably wasn't even one yet. I remember just being in a hospital and seeing lights and people poking at me and everybody looking down at me. That must have been frightening. 
As a kid growing up, where did you experience most of the pain? My leg, my stomach, my back, my arms, it would be everywhere. If I get into a sickle cell crisis, it would just randomly pop up where it feels like going, wherever it feels like going for that time, it'll pop up. I've had patients say that the pain from a sickle cell crisis is gnawing and throbbing. How would you describe it? I feel like your bones are broke, maybe like uh, you're getting stabbed with a knife. Did you ever feel that your pain was ignored? Um, the only time I experienced people thinking I was making something up was uh, the doctors and nurses in the emergency room. Uh, they would think I was lying. They would talk. I can remember when I was like 12, maybe, they would act like I was a drug addict and I was just coming for drugs. Prodigy, I'm glad you mentioned that because people in the emergency room have been known to withhold painkillers like morphine from people with sickle cell disease because they feel that they're there just to get high. Oh, yeah, I experienced that at 12 years old. Um, a lot of it has to do with probably awareness of the disease. Maybe a lot of those triage nurses or whatever, the nurses in the, in the emergency room, maybe they don't deal with a lot of those cases on a daily basis. But I think it also has to do with race sometimes. You know, if a black person is coming in asking for payments and they identify that with drug abuse, like a drug addict, you know what I mean? I've had terrible emergency room experiences when I was a little kid. Like, they would lock me in the back room and threaten to call the cops if I ain't shut up, like stuff like that. Gosh, a prodigy, I'm really sorry to hear that. In those situations, how long did it take for you to get pain relief? I've sat there for hours like six, seven hours before I got my pain medicine. And they knew what was wrong with me. You know what I mean? They knew because we would explain to them exactly what was wrong in the triage when you first go in there. They see I got a a fever. They see certain things. They see my my medical history that I was born with this stuff. And, uh, you know, I still have to wait seven, eight hours to get my pain medicine. When sickle cell, if you don't treat it, immediately it gets worse and worse and you have a stroke if you don't treat it immediately. So yeah, I dealt with a lot of that type of stuff. So when you were in the emergency room and you finally got the help you needed, what were you given? Uh, I mean, the, on, the only thing they could do is hydrate you with an IV and um, give you pain meds, uh, give you uh, whatever it is, man, Demerol, morphine, depending on your age. If you're a kid, like 10 years old, they'll probably give you, like, codeine or something like that. You know what I mean? Now that you're an adult in your 30s, do you still need to go to the emergency room as often? I have a good doctor that, that treats me. And uh, I let my doctor know, like, hey, listen, I need a prescription for such and such pain medicine or whatever. And he'll give it to me because he knows that I can avoid coming to the emergency room, I can avoid having to stay in the hospital for two weeks if I just have a prescription handy. And whenever I feel pain, I could just take a medicine and the pain goes away. You know what I mean? It's great that you're working with a doctor who'll give you the painkillers you need so that you don't have to go to the emergency room. When we come back, we'll talk to Prodigy about how sickle cell disease affects his entire life. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. 
Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back. Prodigy, how has sickle cell disease affected things like work and, and family life? Number one is going to affect you mentally. And you're going to struggle with, like, why you have to go through this thing, why did God do this to you, and all that stuff that you're going to have to go through mentally. You know, you just got to deal with it, man. You just got to deal with it and know that, you know, everybody's an individual, man. You don't have to do the same things as everybody else. Prodigy, when you had to cancel a show, were you afraid to tell them the real reason? Oh, yeah. Throughout my whole career, I never hid the fact that I had sickle cell like that. I was very open uh, and public about that in all my interviews and everything. I got sickle cell tattooed on my arm. You know, I always talk, I've always make songs about it, you know, from the beginning of my career. So people know, our fans know, and the people that book us for shows and people that are interested in Mob Deep know that Prodigy has sickle cell. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And Prodigy, tell us which medicines have been the most helpful? As I got older, um, probably like morphine. Because as soon as the pain comes, it's like you have to, I have to take something that's going to kill the pain. Like, like it's not, it's not something that you want to play games with and take an Advil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> not, it's not, it's not a game. Like it's not a headache. It's serious pain that's about to happen. So I got to take something strong that's going to knock it out. And then that's it. I can go on with my life. Prodigy, there's a drug called hydroxyurea that's revolutionized the treatment of sickle cell anemia. Have you tried that? hydroxyurea is a little too weird for me. I don't want that in my body. I learned how to eat the right foods, drink water like a fish. To be honest with you, the only thing that was helpful and that changed my life is my diet. When I learned how to change my diet, my whole entire life changed. Well, that's great. Prodigy, talk to us about your diet. Basically what it is is green vegetables, and water. You, you mean for every meal? Yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Broccoli, spinach, uh, asparagus. It has to be green. And how did you learn about this particular diet? I learned about it from just reading a lot about the history of my culture, of my race, how we used to eat. I learned that food, you can heal yourself. Yeah, you know, we're learning more and more about how food can heal us. You know, that reminds me when Naomi Jed was on the show, and she said, look, you know, consider your refrigerator as a medicine cabinet because food can really be considered a medicine. Prodigy, do the green foods that you eat actually stop the sickle cell pain entirely? It, st- it stops it from even beginning. There's no way that my body, my blood can start to sickle if I'm drinking water 24 hours a day, you know, and eating straight healthy food. You know what I'm saying? Everything else is like iffy. So diet is crucial for you. Have you tried other things, other therapies like prayer, uh, psychology, or herbals? Diet, you know, spirituality, uh, your lifestyle, everything, your attitude, it all works together. And once you figure that out, it, it, everything is connected, then you really start to see a difference. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I really do think you're right. Prodigy, does your music capture the influence that pain has had on your life? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, this, especially rap music is so aggressive. 
you know, um, it's a good outlet for me to get my pain out of my mind and my body and being on stage performing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Your book talks about how you maintained hope during your darkest times growing up and in prison. What message of hope do you have for anybody suffering with sickle cell pain? You know, if you want to heal yourself, it's possible, man. You're not a, a slave to the pain, man. Your body is yours, you know what I mean? You just got to take control of it and uh, learn about, uh, you know, just repairing your relationship with God. You know, it was times when, when I was a kid, like eight years old, in the hospital, in serious pain, and, uh, you know, asking God to please make the pain go away, and it, it didn't go away. So I had an issue with God for a long time when I was a kid. I had to learn how to repair that. And I'm glad you did. Prodigy, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Up next is Dr. William Zemsky, specialist in sickle cell pain and head of the Division of Pain Medicine at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Dr. William Zemsky is a specialist in treating the pain of sickle cell anemia. He's the head of the Division of Pain Medicine at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Dr. Zemsky, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Let's first talk about how common sickle cell anemia really is. So there are about 100,000 Americans with sickle cell disease in the United States. Probably 90 to 95% of the individual sickle cell disease in the U.S. are African American. But far more in Africa. Sickle cell disease affects primarily people of African descent, uh, although other uh, individuals from the Mediterranean descent and other areas uh, can have sickle cell disease as well. Bill, it's surprising to note that as recently as the 1970s, most didn't survive through childhood. Is this still considered a pediatric illness today? Uh, no, and that's where uh, some of the problems arise, that that uh, individuals with sickle cell disease are on average living into their 40s, but in some areas, they're not well-developed programs to take care of adults with sickle cell disease. So we need to develop those programs so that these adults get good care as well as the good care that's, that's allowed for children. My understanding is that kids as young as six months to a year of age may begin experiencing the pain of sickle cell disease. Is that your experience? So pain with sickle cell disease can start as young as in the first year of life, uh, and, but it changes as kids get older. So they may start with pain in their hands and feet, and that may be noticed as uh, just irritability with some swelling of the hands and feet. But as kids get older, they develop pain in their legs and their arms, and then they progress into adolescence. The primary areas that often are affected are the chest, the abdomen, or the back. Wow, that's pretty extensive. Sure, and and that's the that's the difficulty with sickle cell disease is it's so variable in its in the way it affects people and and so debilitating, especially the pain. Dr. Zemsky, how do you know if your one year old is suffering from sickle cell pain? Parents can notice a couple things. They'll notice irritability, poor feeding, but they'll also often notice some swelling of the hands and feet. Kids may get a low grade fever, and fever and sickle cell disease can be a marker for severe infection. So any of those indications or reasons for those folks to contact their doctor. Well, that's helpful. When we come back, we'll talk about a sickle cell crisis. 
I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. And we're back. Bill, take us into a blood vessel of somebody experiencing a sickle cell crisis. Sure. So uh, blood cells and sickle cell disease, because an abnormality in the protein, the hemoglobin that makes up blood cells, uh, they are uh, prone to becoming um, sickle shaped. So the average normal red blood cell is shaped kind of like a donut. It's nice and soft and mushy, if you will. Um, but when a crisis develops, these shape, these cells sickle. They, they form all sorts of kind of curved, stiff cells. And these cells have trouble getting through the blood vessels. So I call it like, like somebody having a million little heart attacks all over their body. It's, it's the pain of the clogging or vasoclusion of, of the blood vessels. That's a great analogy. Bill, what are the most effective therapies for treating this pain? hydration is especially important, but then they start with pain medications, and those can be some of the weaker pain medications like ibuprofen, uh, Motrin, or Advil, but may progress to some stronger pain medications such as Tylenol with codeine or morphine or oxycodone or some of these stronger medications. Yeah, many parents might be worried about using a strong pain medicine like morphine to treat their child's sickle cell pain, yet they're really quite effective and safe. Sure, that, you know, opioids for anybody is scary, but especially for parents thinking about their young child getting opioids is, is especially uh, induces a lot of fear. But if the dose is prescribed appropriately and the child is in pain, that, that they are certainly safe medications to give. In fact, we have more experience giving those type of medications than many of the other medications we give in children. Um, I should note, we also know that the pain of sickle cell disease is particularly excruciating and really needs these kind of medications to treat it adequately. Exactly. Bill, let's talk about dactylitis, which is pain in the fingers of children, and how many episodes of that can actually risk early death. Well, we know uh, in sickle cell disease that the lungs can be affected, the kidneys uh, in sickle cell disease, the heart over time can be affected, and patients with sickle cell disease are also at higher risk for strokes. So even young children with sickle cell disease are at risk for having a stroke. Those patients who have frequent pain episodes are at higher risk for both morbidity, uh, bad outcome, and mortality, death, as they get older. So dactylitis, as you mentioned, is the earliest. It's that swelling of the hands and feet that I mentioned. But those are markers that frequent pain episodes are a marker for uh, poorer outcome in sickle cell disease. Dr. Zemsky, let's talk about neuropathic pain or nerve pain, like like carpal tunnel syndrome in sickle cell anemia. What we're now learning is that patients with sickle cell disease have a whole host of other uh, pain problems. They get pain similar, I think, in some ways to uh, adults that experience fibromyalgia. They get all over body aches. Uh, they get muscular pain. Um, they can get some feeling of uh, uh, burning and tingling and crushing pain that you see in more uh, nerve pain. Uh, we also know that, that patients with sickle cell disease more frequently have headache than other, other kids. So even beyond the typical sickle cell pain, they experience all these other pains. There's also 
uh, in adolescents and young adults, uh, what's called priapism, which is a uh, prolonged erection, which can be extremely painful. In addition to the common therapies for this disease, like Tylenol, Motrin, IV fluids, and, and things like Percocet, Bill, have you found benefit from the alternative therapies? We're trying to teach our patients, even at a young age, is other what I call complementary or non-pharmacological techniques to manage their pain. So learning coping skills, relaxation, self-hypnosis, um, we do some work with biofeedback. These types of, of pain-relieving techniques are very powerful and in some situations more powerful than even medication. Yeah, you know, it's good to know there's an option to traditional medicines. Bill, I feel like there's an exaggerated fear of causing drug addiction when opioids are used to treat sickle cell pain. Is this changing? What we do know is that the incidence of addiction or drug abuse in patients with sickle cell disease is likely no higher than the general population. We're continually working to change that conception to see these patients differently, to see them more in the way I think that we see chronic pain patients as patients who always have pain and who need large amounts of opioids, of strong pain medications to relieve their pain. And if we can get that message to providers, then we can reduce this notion that they're dealing with an addict, but really dealing with somebody who's in excruciating pain and needs appropriate treatment. Dr. Zemsky, let's talk about hydroxyurea, which is a chemotherapeutic drug that increases fetal hemoglobin levels. This has been shown to be an effective treatment, uh, not a cure, but an effective treatment for uh, a great number of patients with sickle cell disease, both to reduce their pain and reduce some of the other side effects of their disease. Bill, what are you working on now that shows promise for sickle cell disease pain? I actually, working with some collaborators, have a strong interest in looking at some of the newer drugs that have been used in other chronic pain states, uh, pregabalin, duoxetine, uh, gabapentin. People are starting to look at medications and developing medications specifically for sickle cell disease, and, and I know of several investigations that are going on looking at some of these treatments. Before we close, what's important to know if you're a patient or the parents of a child who has sickle cell pain? Education, advocacy, and skill building, I think, are the three criteria that for anybody with a chronic disease, but specifically sickle cell disease, should uh, really um, learn. Dr. Zemsky, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thanks very much, Paul. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentech Health, and Boston Scientific. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. Each week, we invite you to email Dr. Christo with your questions at achesandgains at gmail.com. Here's an email from Joni in Palm Springs, California. What are the special considerations doctors need to make when treating pain in children? Joni, previously, there were myths that infants didn't have the ability to experience pain and that pain after surgery didn't need to be treated. Current evidence shows that a 30-week fetus has the ability to process pain. If kids are less than five, doctors can try to get a self-report of pain from the child and should ask parents or surrogates to describe the child's behavior and expressions of pain. There are specific pain assessment scales that are used to help determine whether kids are experiencing pain, and these should be used following surgery. And Anita from Jacksonville, Florida writes, I had a bad back injury at lumbar level 5 about 20 months ago. 
It was treated with Advil and an extensive exercise regimen. Because I'm very active and athletic, I'm worried that my back may get worse, especially because the MRI shows a problem. What do you think? Well, Anita, low back pain in general is best treated with exercise, as you've mentioned, medications like nortriptyline, and something called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is changing the beliefs or evaluations of your painful condition in a way that reduces the degree of emotional and physical disability that it's associated with the pain. I'm glad that you're doing well. MRIs can be helpful, but don't explain the cause of pain in many instances. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on aches and gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vore and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.